desert and the great American Southwest. I bid you all good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be across all 24 time zones covering the globe, which uh, through the Internet this program certainly covers, and uh, nationwide saturated commercially. So, war news coming up in a moment. Woodley Strieber. Woodley, who's been a, uh, I don't know, a friend now for... I don't know, we'll have to rummage over that. Uh, it's been a long time. He, of course, is the uh, host of Dreamland on Saturdays now. And um, he's got, well, as you know, Whitley and I wrote a book called The Coming Global Superstorm. Maybe you didn't know that. Or we did. And it was about rapid climate change. An idea, uh, you know, at the time that we wrote the book that was outlandish. Now, those aren't my words. Those are the words of uh, some pundits and uh, thought of uh, it's pretty wild stuff by some TV anchors. And now, of course, uh, there's some pretty late-breaking news that uh, would tend to vindicate our point of view with regard to rapid climate change. We'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. First, the war news. Many Afghan uh, tribal fighters uh, have apparently taken off from the White Mountains on Tuesday, saying basically they've won. They've defeated Osama bin Laden's al-Qaeda terror network. Only a few hundred of the estimated 1,000 to 2,000 al-Qaeda forces were reported to have been either killed or captured. Now, isn't that a few hundred of the estimated 1,000 to 2,000? Others may have fled the bombing. And many senior Taliban officials have slipped away into Pakistan where they're being protected by Pakistani authorities and money talks and you know about the rest, right? The United States is entering a new phase in the war now in Afghanistan. And apparently this stage is the we're going cave to cave stage and we're going to find bin Laden. Checking cave by cave. That would be a dangerous job, to be sure. So if you'll stay put right where you are, Whitley Strieber coming up. Then in the next hour, electronic voice phenomena. Voices from the other side. It is astounding. Uh, Brendan Cook and Barbara Macbeth uh, both are amazing people who do what they do with no remuneration. They don't get paid for it. They don't write books. They don't do anything. They just do what they do because they love it. It's an astounding phenomena. It really is an astounding phenomena, particularly in view of the lady, uh, Pam, that I had on and some of the stories I've been hearing recently about uh, people who have not just had near-death experiences, but death experiences. I'm on the track of several right now. Just amazing, just blow-you-away kind of stories. So coming up in a moment, if you want to know what what the weather is going to be like. If you want to know what's coming, then you're going to want to listen because we were right then and we're right now. Let me read you a very, very quick story that I just uh, received tonight, uh, not an hour ago. Planet Earth's average temperature in 2001 is expected to be the second highest since global records began 140 years ago, according to the U.N. Weather Agency. World Meteorological Organization Deputy Secretary, uh, uh, the Deputy Secretary General of it, said the, 
uh, warming temperatures led to an increase in the severity and frequency of storms and droughts and, un and other unusual weather conditions. Temperatures are getting hotter, and they are getting hotter faster now than, at, than any time in the past. I'm still quoting. Since nine of the ten warmest years in the last four decades have occurred since 1990, and temperatures, now get this, are rising three times faster than in the early 90s. That was the, uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, WD uh, Secretary General of the World Meteorological Organization, and that story is just breaking. Uh, Whitley, welcome to the program. It's good to be here, Art. Great to have you. From San Antonio, as always, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, uh, that was kind of interesting, uh, an interesting little story, wasn't it? Yeah, indeed it was. Uh, and it's, it just is a, a sort of a sign of what's happening. You know, we have... With the National Academy of Sciences sort of uh, announcement just a couple of days ago that that abrupt climate change is a real possibility, uh, a lot of things have changed. Among them, our book, which was, I think, in uh, reviewing another book in uh, Booklist, another book about the weather, they made, uh, Booklist makes reference to our book being preposterous, which uh -huh. is sort of the way the media took our book. Oh, yes. As I, you were I, saying I, a few I minutes ago. I remember, yes. Now we've got the National Academy of Sciences saying that abrupt climate change is a very real possibility. Right. And, it, you know, it's, it's really a good thing that this is finally, they finally have it faced this. Because one of the points that I think that you and I, when we were working on the book, found was that there's absolutely no monitoring of the, of the strength of ocean currents. Uh -huh. There's some, I take that back, but it's not, it's not the kind of detailed monitoring that is needed. Now, with the National Academy of Sciences weighing in on this and saying specifically that ocean currents are the problem, they particularly mention the Gulf Stream. Well, they do because, of course, if it slows um, or uh, disintegrates virtually which uh, is certainly a possibility, they're saying now, they're admitting, yes. uh, Europe would roughly be uh, subjected to a climate which would uh, approximate that of Alaska. Right. It would be a, an unparalleled disaster for Europe. But during the process of it happening, once the Gulf Stream stops, really to an extent, depending on the time of year when it happens, there's evidence from the past by the way, that this has happened before. And I want to get into the causes of it because there's some very interesting new data that suggests that this might not be entirely man-made, that we may be the equivalent of a medium-sized volcano. Sure. But not necessarily the whole cause of the thing. Oh, I, I've never imagined that we were. Um, there are cycles and cycles within cycles, yeah. and then there's man's hand, and I don't, he only has a small part of it, but with people... Uh, I, I think the National Academy of Sciences and other organizations like them, meteorological uh, associations, are definitely realizing what's going on now. The people, right. that, the people that are not realizing what's going on are our leaders. Now, 
uh, so far, they're just uh, ignoring what these agencies are saying. And, uh, and I'm not surprised because of the economic implications of having to, you know, deal with it, grasp it, and understand what it's going to mean. Right. Well, of course, you know, there's a, there's a real open question about that because if you take a company like DuPont, which went on a program of massively reducing its, in, its atmospheric emissions just as a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, DuPont being a chemical company, it has heavy-duty emissions. And what they found was that a program that they had budgeted millions of dollars for became so cost-effective so quickly that it's become a profit center. Mm -hmm. Because in reducing their emissions, they increased their efficiency so much, they also reduced their costs. Well, emissions as a general rule, Whitley, when you're talking about energy, emissions uh, or significant emissions absolutely equate to efficiency. Exactly. Uh, every, everything I mean, they're all setting emissions, up a smokestack is something that they're not selling. It's waste. Uh, it's just a waste of. Uh, in other words, is the energy going up in smoke? Right. Yeah. So the, the question of whether or not it would cost a, a great deal of money is really an open one. It, it it might not. It might, it might mean that a lot of companies could use this as a means of getting much more efficient and maybe getting a government subsidy to do it. Well, I think what most people want to know, most Americans, I mean, even with Europe, believe it or not, we sit here and we say Europe could turn into Alaska, and they go, oh, well, too bad for Europe. Right. Uh, yeah. know, all right. But if we have a full uh, global climate change, one thing you might explain to people is what it could mean for them. Well, in our book, and in a number of other places, most notably in, in uh, a long article in the Atlantic Monthly a, a few years ago, and in some scientific studies about the last time there was a climate upheaval like this, which was about 15,000 B.C., there was evidence that it happened very suddenly over a single season. And apparently what occurred then was methane poured into the atmosphere as the sun, and we'll talk about the sun's role in this in a few minutes. Oh, it's got a big one. A big one. Uh, Heated the the earth up, and the glaciers began to melt as they melted the permafrost melted, and this caused an outgassing of methane, which is also happening now in 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 the in the uh, in and, the Arctic. And in fact, uh, the permafrost uh, is melting. I saw it for myself. Right. It was pretty kind of kind of sad to see. Actually, uh, Alaskans could call and tell you all about it. <laughs> yeah, they are they are really experiencing it very personally up there. What's happening? But in any case, when this happens. It, cre- it makes the atmosphere so uniformly warm that the Gulf Stream, which is depend- depends on the water being cold in the north and warm in the south to, to generate the current, it's the, it way the, the, it, the different 
the energy that's generated by the differing temperatures of water are what caused the current to flow. Just exactly the way differing energies in high and low weather systems, uh, uh, when you're in between them, you'll notice a great deal of energy in the form of wind or whatever. Right. You know, the, the opposites, uh, they generate energy in between. And the Gulf Stream is like that. It's a sort of a permanent kind of a kind of a jet stream structure under the un, under the Atlantic. Oh, that's a good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if that stops, what happens? What the fossil record suggests happens is there is one whale of a storm, and the the reason is that the, the Warm air has been being pumped up from the Arctic, mm-hmm. and and has filled. I mean, from the from the uh, equator and from the tropics, and has filled the Arctic. The Gulf Stream therefore collapses, and when it does, there's suddenly nothing pushing that warm air up there anymore, and the cold air that has been pushed all the way into the upper atmosphere, the cold comes, comes pouring back. down. That's right. And you have you have a blizzard that basically covers the whole northern half of the northern hemisphere. We've never seen a storm like that. Right. We don't really know what it would be like. We don't know, for example, if the Earth could sustain an organized single storm that big. But one thing we do know it would sustain it. It would stand it. You mean whether it could actually, whether there would be sufficient energy to well, form it. Well, whether or not, whether uh, atmospheric structures that big can exist on the Earth. Mm-hmm. But but what we do know is, if it's not one big storm, then it's certainly a series of smaller ones. Right. And by smaller, I mean four or five of them, each the blizzards, each the size of a large hurricane. That's right. That's right. But the same end effect. Uh, you've got a sudden global climate change, and now they're saying yes, it's going to. Ha- it's likely to happen. And uh, and and look, they can look back tree rings and uh, all these uh, geolog- geologic right. methods they have, and they can damn well see that it's happened before. Well, they exactly. It happened about 15,000 years ago and has been painstakingly pointed out by some scientists that this was very violent and a very intense thing, and uh, most of them don't want to face that. And it's why we ran into trouble like uh, when we were out uh, on TV because people just don't want to face it. (laughs) I know. And, you know, what we really ought to be doing is just forget the emotions and objectively figure out what's really going on and plan for whatever we have to plan for. Ah, but you see, that requires the leaders that I was talking to you a little uh, about a a little while ago to uh, realize that these agencies, uh, forget listening to us, you know, these agencies that they sustain with government money, our money, uh, that they listen to them, and, and they're not listening to them because the implications of li- listening to them are, uh, well, they're, uh, they're not something they can face up to. Right, they just can't, and uh, especially because of the fact that the, the United States Congress and the administration, all of them are heavily influenced by, uh, by lobbyists, who are saying that this isn't a problem. And unfortunately, a lot of different companies and industries that could benefit from reducing their emissions are working on the assumption that that would be a very costly process that they would not be able to recover from and that it would cause them a lot of economic hardship. When the 
opposite, at least according to DuPont's experience, is true. Is true. Is true. Uh, Whitley, let me again ask you. Uh, people in the United States, people in this country, people listening right now, or in Canada, you know, in North America, uh, what would North America, if, sh if such a shift occurred, and rapidly, uh, if it occurred, what would we likely experience? Well, I think it would be an unimaginable disaster for us. I, I think well, give us some idea of, of what scale. What do you mean? Uh, you would see blizzards reaching down into the central United States that in their centers and in the northern reaches would be essentially not survivable uh, in all probability. That's what I think. I think that you would see the destruction, essentially, of Canada. Uh, and the United States would be very, very severely damaged. If we're right about the speed of this, and as I say, I think we are, I think the evidence is there that uh, it has happened like this in the past. This well, is this is what, of course, the media, it, it, they don't want to alarm people. Well, that, now, though, there are a lot of warnings. The ones we've been talking about, I read you one, uh, you, you, you referred yes. to the other one. Uh, they are starting to issue these warnings. Uh, why do you think suddenly... Uh, what I, I mean, after all, uh, the news of prior rapid climate change, you know, has been around or has been known certainly to uh, geolo geologists for a long time, Whitley. So why now are these agencies making public statements like this? It always worries me when this happens because it's a sign <laughs> that it might be too late. <laughs> but you know, right before you and I went out on our author tour for the Superstorm book, there was an unbelievable wild winter in Europe. Oh, yes. And the, uh, some scientists at the University of Norway said that the Gulf Stream had slowed down, which is what had caused this winter situation. Now, this was the, the, the destruction of hundreds of millions of trees. Uh, the, it, it nearly blew over the steeple at uh, Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. 130 mile an hour winds roaring across Europe. I recall, I remember the reports, yes. Stunning. Uh huh. And that was associated with just a slowing of the Gulf Stream. Right. Uh, the, 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 uh, the energies that are involved in this are unimaginable. We think of the Earth as belonging to us, but nature on Earth is much, much more powerful and much bigger than we are even now. Well, I, I think what we think is that because it's never changed in our lifetimes, uh, it's hard for us to imagine nature, from our point of view, turning, us, turning against us in such a way. It's just hard to imagine. It's one of those stable things, like you yeah. say, standing on the earth. Nature just doesn't do that. There's weather ups and downs, but there's sort of a, a general average that's pleasing to humanity. Well, that may not always be so. Bottom of the hour, Whitley, and we'll be right back. I'm Art Bell.
the condition of the Gulf Stream, and something called Stratalert, which tells us whether or not the upper atmosphere is warmer than it should be. That's right. And why, why would the upper atmosphere uh, be changing temperature? One big reason would be the sun. Well, right. Uh, the sun is going through some pretty interesting cycles. Uh, uh, yeah, with, very and, uh, unusual stuff is going on. You bet. Uh, we should be way on the downside now of the cycle, but it's going berserk up there. Had another giant X-class flare the other day, and I associate a great deal of human behavior, uh, frankly, with the activity on the sun. The sunspot level is at 210 right now. That's correct, yes. Which is way higher than it should be. Right. And But this is reflected in in a very un, unexpected place, which is on Mars. Mars is melting. I know. It, which is totally unexpected that the Martian polar caps are, are melting right now. I know. They, they, well, you know, when they announced that the other day, when I came on the air and I said, you know, how come... Uh, they tell us the, the ice caps on Mars are about to melt. And reminding myself, we're, we're the third out from the sun here, right? Third right, right. from the sun. And, uh, and, and so, so, yeah, and so if they're going to be affected in, in that manner, then for gosh sakes, why didn't the people who did this report ask any questions about the effect on the third planet? Right. Well, they should have. Well, you're right, they should have. We're here. And we're closer to the sun, sun. than Mars. Yeah. That's right. That's a, was my figuring too. Yeah. That was my figuring too. So um, I, I don't know what to say except uh, again, I think there's this intentional. I don't know head in the sand thing. As far as a lot of people are concerned, they just cannot think about it, Willie. And I don't know how we're going to get them to. It's intentional on the part of people who have some, feel like they think they have something to lose by by uh, facing it. Uh, big companies primarily and the politicians who go with them. But I don't I think that the average person is perfectly willing to face it and not only that, I don't I don't I think we have any number of ways of getting around this. I think that we can probably learn to live with the changed climate. Well, I, yeah, I imagine so. I, I've been getting some interesting calls because, of course, the weather has been so cattywampus. Right. Uh, here right now, at this very moment, it's uh, below freezing near Death Valley at 30.9 degrees. It's 30.9. And I, I get these emails from people in the northeast uh, and the upper Midwest who are saying, oh, man, we, we love this. What are you talking about? This is great that the weather is so warm. We're so happy, yeah. Oh, see, uh, everybody's pretty pretty much a short-term thinker. It's a great day out there, hot diggity, but they don't, they're not thinking to what this change might be a precursor to. Right. Well, give you an idea of how wacky things really are. Right now, if you were to go out into the depths of the North Atlantic in the middle of December, you mm -hmm. would think the water would be pretty cold. Real cold. It's 60. Well, so, uh, did you say 60? 60. Today. At 11 a.m. today, on the East Scotia Slope, the water temperature was 60.6 .6 degrees. Oh, my God. It's quite far above normal. The thing that you have to watch for, and this is, we, we, we monitor this regularly on our website, and... Believe me, anybody who watches it will find out very quickly if this change is, is a sudden drop in this temperature because it would mean that the Gulf Stream had collapsed 
and uh, that's we used to monitor an even better buoy. By the way, this buoy is is been set up by the uh, by the Canadians. It's a Canadian buoy, but the one that I mentioned specifically in the part of that section of Superstorm was taken down by the U.S. government. It was taken down. Taken down, right, on the better Grand not, Banks. Better not to look. Better not to look, not <laughs> to let us look. But, you know, the thing. one of the things also, I think, that people don't like to hear is the idea that it's their fault. It's our fault. Oh, I see, I see. And But if this is a much larger thing. I mean, if it's if there's global warming going on on Mars, obviously it's not all our fault. No, uh, no. And, I, I, I actually, whether the hand of man plays much of a percentage part in it at all is a totally open question. Well, we we can probably we can probably slow it down and speed it up, but we can't ultimately change it. Uh, only effect the only at the margins do we have any effect at all if, right. if we would even notice that, in my opinion. But uh, right. Well, who it's it's. No one can be sure, but we, we would have, we, we probably could have some effect on it. We could probably, if the process is, is, is indeed as oriented towards human activity as, as, as they claim, then presumably we could have some effect on it if we were to reduce our emissions. But the last time it happened, what, ha what occurred was, as I was saying earlier, the permafrost melted, and that melt was triggered, not triggered by people setting, uh, with, uh, building campfires. Because, you know, there, was, there weren't all that many people around at that time. Right. Uh, uh, it was triggered, it had to have been triggered by the sun. There's no other heat source that could have done it. And whatever the sun did then, it appears to be doing again. And will it do it enough to cause this whole process to occur or not? We, we don't know. But one thing we should do is we should certainly keep watch on it, and we and science should try to understand it instead of holding their head in the sand. So this National Science Foundation thing is a good, it's a good step forward because they are finally saying that yes, there is a problem. Of course, nobody bothered to say that we were right, but that's that you know, would not be expected. No, you know, now I'll get I'll get out on a limb a little bit, Whitley. Um, other than the scientific evidence, and now what, what these organizations are saying, all fine and well, but back when we wrote the book, I knew instinctually, emotionally, I don't know, maybe even psychically, uh, as we're all psychic to some degree, not to any special degree in my case, thank you, but I just knew, I felt in my gut that we were on the verge of a, uh, a gigantic uh, weather change, and that's all emotional stuff, but uh, it's important to me. I'm rarely wrong about these things, and I, I felt it so, so strongly, and I still do. Well, I've felt the sense of there being a, a, a change of some kind in the, Absolutely. in the wind for a while. I, I have, I, I guess when, when we were starting to go on the tour, and I was beginning to see this horrible weather in Europe, I wasn't really surprised. Right. Well, you know something that, speaking of, came across my desk just today. This is from uh, the German magazine Der Spiegel. A listener to Dreamland sent this to me. It turns out, you speak of wild weather, that the 
German cruise ship Bremen last February was taking an Antarctic cruise when the ship encountered a 115-foot wave that came out of nowhere and nearly capsized it. Rogue wave. Rogue wave, a la the Poseidon adventure. Sure. I mean, and uh, the cruise line successfully covered the whole thing up. The story was not, it didn't make the news, and they, they claimed that there was no damage and nobody was hurt, but one of the passengers claims that he saw bodies in the war. So, uh, according to Der Spiegel, which is a pretty ripid, it's the Time magazine of Germany. Wow, I, I wonder how they kept this story of that magnitude under wraps. I mean, I can understand that a, a cruise company wouldn't... Uh reach out to publicize something like that? Well, I think it's because they, 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 uh, uh, when they came back, they came into Argentina, and it's, it's just very far from everywhere, and they sure, successfully, sure. so, uh, that, that I, I think that, that's how they did it. Um, the, the remarkable thing about it is, though, I think that 115 feet is about the largest wave that's ever been observed. And interestingly enough, there is an organization that has been set up to study, basically to study rogue waves and these extremes that are taking place. And there's evidence, but it's not entirely clear that this is happening, but that there is more and more of this taking place, that it's, not, that it's a rapidly growing phenomenon. Well, another attitude that's out there, and, and I do understand this attitude to a large degree, is, uh, look, um, maybe you guys are right, but there's not a damn thing we can do about it. There's really nothing ultimately we can do about it. Uh, it's forces that are way beyond our control, and to some degree. I mean, those people are correct. They are correct. At a, at a personal level, you say to yourself, you know, if the Earth's climate changes... What am I going to do about it? Well, that, you see, that's where I, I think that we underestimate ourselves. Uh, the human species has got a, a tremendous amount of ingenuity and energy, and I have a feeling that if we really tackled this, there would be all kinds of unexpected changes that we would be able to make that we, we can't even imagine right now. Well, try this one out for size, width. Let's imagine for a second, and I, I think I believe this, that our government at some level uh, understands and has indeed absorbed these reports and understands what may lie ahead. One could imagine that um, all sorts of uh, a covert... I, I mean, after all, before these public statements are made by these UN organizations and our own meteorological organizations, you know that others were consulted before it was made public, so, right. I mean, they know. So an open question would be, could there be ongoing experimental programs trying to avert what's coming? Well, of course, that's one of the things that um, that the Kentrose people claim, that, <laughs> that there is a, such a program. Over the Pahrump Valley earlier today, we had heavy... Uh, all-day type uh, chemtrail activities. Um, it's really starting up again in my area. 
but uh, yeah, that's one of the things they say. Do you imagine it to be possible, but Lee, that there, whether it's chemtrails or something else, that there is an effort to um, uh, somehow uh, modify or lessen what may be coming? I think that that such an effort, uh, yeah, I, I, and I would think that there might be a lot of reasons to keep it secret, too. Uh, uh, among them, the, the concerns about the economy, the insurance industry, which would take an unbelievable hit on its stock, on its shares, if uh, if anything like this was made public, the uh, fear factor, people wanting to move away from seacoasts or away from areas that they feared might be vulnerable. Oh, the implications are unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, so it's inevitable that if there is an effort to to do something about this, like uh, for example, uh, trying to reduce the amount of uh, 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 light reaching the planet by the use of something like chemtrails. Uh, perhaps uh, uh, some sort of particles uh, in the upper atmosphere that would either uh, shade or reflect sunlight, not allowing as much uh, heating to go on. Exactly. Uh, I mean, you almost have to know they're either thinking about or doing these things. You just have to know it. Yeah. You hope they are in some ways. I mean, you know, it'd be nice if they, if they uh, uh, would tell us, but uh, I don't see how they could. I, I mean, I really don't. I, I think that, that any kind of project like that would be a last-ditch effort. Well, there's a lot of evidence uh, that others have existed. I mean, look at the city off Cuba now. With look yeah. at all the other archaeological evidence building up, and maybe, maybe it's always a race from the formation of intelligent man. And I'm obviously suggesting it's been around, a man's intelligent man has been around before and gone. Maybe it's always a race with from the time man steps foot on Earth and begins to grasp some sort of uh, technology, whether it be like ours or very different, uh, a race to see whether he can beat uh, the elements getting him. Right. And in some cases, we haven't beat the elements. You know, that city is absolutely amazing. It's 2,300 feet yeah. under the ocean. Yeah. It means it must be incredibly ancient. And what took it down to a depth like that if it's not, like... No pun intended, Whitley. Some rapid change. Some very, very <laughs> rapid change. change that's uh, right. Because, I mean, that area hasn't been, uh, hasn't been as far as we understand it, uh, uh, hasn't been above water in thousands and thousands of years. Mm. So, uh, incidentally, an interesting thing is happening with that. The National Geographic Society was supposed to go there this summer, mm -hmm. and now the the because of 9/11 and what they described as Cuban red tape. Well, I'm sure it's being put off, and it, and it's interesting. I'm not surprised. Well, 9/11 of course stopped everything kind of for a while. For a while, yeah. But uh, but there's obviously more to it. Uh, that we are probably to know sometime in the future. Now, right now, there's more to it, though. Well, somebody takes a tremendous interest in our not knowing too much about the past. For example, a good friend of mine found out quite by accident that there is very heavy-duty classified 
information of some kind about the Nazca lines. Uh-huh. Now, what possible... Why would something uh, uh, made, allegedly made by Indians uh, using kites thousands of, uh, a thousand years ago be of any... Why would it have to be classified? I don't know. Uh, to hear more about this and other things, Willie, we're at the end of the hour. Uh, you do Dreamland, which airs Saturday, I think, from 6 to 10 Pacific time, right? It airs Saturday night, 6 to 10 Pacific time, and through unknowncountry.com, it's available on the Internet. And this Saturday, we're going to do the journey of the soul. Oh, I've been doing a lot on that lately. Fascinating yeah. subject. Whitley Streber, as always, thank you, brother. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Take care. This uh, kind of says it all. Ain't got no trouble in my life. No foolish dream to make me cry. I'm never frightened or worried. I know I always get by. Just go round it. Kingdom of Nye from west of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies, 1-800-825-5033. First-time callers may reach Art at 1-775-727-1222. And the wild card line is open at 1-775-727-1295. To reach Art on the toll-free international line, call your AT&T operator and have them dial 800-893-0903. This is Ghost to Coast AM with Art Bell from the Kingdom of Nye. You are about to hear voices from the other side. That's exactly what you're going to hear. Voices from the other side. It's called electronic voice phenomena. And we keep having Brendan Cook and Barbara Macbeth back because their material is absolutely incredible and credible. <laughs> incredible and credible. And they're credible. They don't take a penny for what they do. They don't write books, at least not yet. They're not selling anything. They just do what they do because they're fascinated. And I've got to tell you, I have them on for the same reason. Now, I had Pam Reynolds on about a week ago. Pam Reynolds uh, came closer to making me a believer, uh, a firm believer, I might add, in, in the other side, in the fact that we exist after we die, than any program that I've done to date. And I've done a bunch. That uh, program had a profound effect on me. That woman, that woman, well, she died. She died. All the blood drained from her body. All of her blood gone. Her heart stopped. Her brain waves, zero. 
almost an hour. An hour. Dead. And yet, this lady was able to describe what went on during the operation. In linear time, she could account for the hour that she was D-E-A-D dead. Uh, we're going to have her doctor, we're on the trail of getting her doctor on, too, by the way, who will uh, attest to all of that. So, when you hear, when you hear something like that, um, if it does not have a, a very profound effect on you, then you just weren't listening. I mean, where was Pam for that hour? <laughs> she was dead. Only her consciousness wasn't. So that that comes pretty uh, pretty close uh, for me to the kind of proof that I've been searching for that there is life on the other side. And electronic voice phenomena would seem also to to underscore that uh, very heavily. And that's why we keep having. Uh, Brendan and Barbara back tonight. You're going to hear never heard uh, recordings, never before heard recordings that have been recorded on blank audio tape. They have certain protocols for what they do. You know, they they have a absolutely brand new audio tape that's never had any recording on it before. And these two tromp off to places like cemeteries and prisons, and they've been all over the place. And they record, and what they come up with. Uh, sometimes is a little worrisome, sometimes is just comforting, sometimes, you know, it depends on how you take it and how you feel about uh, your knowledge and your belief of what's going to come after you pass out of the physical world. And after all, we're not here all that long, any of us uh, on this uh, mortal earth, are we? So I think uh, you truly will find the next uh, several hours enlightening in more ways than one if you listen to it with an open mind. And know that uh, these two, as I said, uh, are very credible at presenting the incredible. And I know it sounds incredible, but maybe not so much if you listen to Pam Reynolds. Stay right there. Well, the official uh, little intro bio reads, uh, Brendan Cook and Barbara Macbeth are both members of the Ghost Investigators Society. The Ghost Investigator Society, or GIS, we'll call it, you'll hear us refer to GIS a lot, is a non-profit organization dedicated to the investigation of ghosts. Not only do they conduct investigations, but also instruct, assist, educate anyone who believes they may be experiencing ghostly phenomena, or those who are just simply curious. Brendan and Barbara have recordings of ghost voices, also called EVP. And I've known about that all my life. Electronic voice phenomena stands... EVP stands for electronic voice phenomena. The phenomena occurs when the voices of a spirit interrupt an electromagnetic field, EMF, so in turn using audio tape, in other words, from a microcassette recorder, reveals these voices, whereas before they couldn't be heard by a human ear. Kind of the same way uh, with a dog whistle... The dog, in this case, being the audio recorder. We as humans cannot pick up the sound of this dog whistle because the frequency is simply too high. We don't even know it's being sounded. Uh, but the dog, on the other hand, uh, instantly notices because his eardrum is designed to hear higher frequencies than we can. The audio recorder uses magnets to record on tape when an electromagnetic field is interrupted, such as when paranormal activity occurs, this in turn affects the tape. In other words, uh, 
electronic voice phenomena. It's eerie, it's strange to listen to, and uh, here once again would be Brendan Cook and Barbara Macbeth. Hello, you two. Hello, Art. Good Hi. evening, Art. Uh, great to have you. You, you two are up uh, north someplace or another, right? Yeah, we're in Utah. Utah. That's north from me. Okay. Um, did you, either one of you or both of you, happen to hear the show that I did with Pam Reynolds? I didn't. No. Oh, we... that's too bad. And I did want to hear it, and I usually uh, am either out on a ghost investigation or sleeping. Yeah, I know. You, you two are very, very busy, I know. Well, it was as I described a little while ago. You know, all the blood gone from the body. Uh, maybe, maybe there was one thing that I didn't add. Uh, no heartbeat and uh, measured, absolutely not one neuron firing. No neural activity. Brain death for an hour. Death. Brain death. No neural activity. And I this... have heard about her, and I really would have liked to have heard that show. Right, uh, but you know, nobody can answer the question. Where was Pam for that hour? Where was she? Where was, where could she possibly have been? How in heaven's name could she have described what went on in the operating room in incredible detail, accounting for the hour, plus accounting for where she went to the other side, meeting relatives and the whole thing? Mm -hmm. It is, it is a profound story. It uh, is. Totally backed up by every medical record you could imagine it. And, and if that doesn't cause you to start believing that there's consciousness after death, then I don't know what will. And I, I'm pretty hard to convince. I've always been a doubter on the subject. Well, I, I personally believe that the consciousness continues on. It, uh, even though, though the body dies, we do continue. There's been too many documented cases of, not uh, in the extreme of hers, but people that have been pronounced clinically dead. And, that's right. And have experienced... That, that's side. right. But, but you see, one argument uh, always made by the critics in cases like that would be, well, uh, you know, the brain uh, doesn't die instantly. It, it takes the brain a little bit of time to die. And during that process, people see, you know, it dies from the outside uh, uh, moving inward. And so they tend to see a white light or something in the middle and that's how a lot of neurologists have explained away this phenomena that so many millions now have experienced. But in the case of, of Pam, it's a little harder to explain that one away because there was no activity, no zero brain activity measured by some of the best medical people in the entire world. So that's a little different. Well, I have no doubt about what she experienced. And the question is... Uh, the nature of the other side, other than uh, what she saw, and, and she admittedly uh, was told early on that she she had to go back. Uh, she was not admitted to a much higher. She was at a, what she thought was a very low level of the other side. And I'm constantly struggling, and I'm sure a lot of my audience is too, to try to understand the nature of the other side. Where are these people, these souls, these consciousnesses, these entities? Where are they? Well, you know, I for one tend to believe that humans may not even be capable of understanding the other side, at least to, to a certain degree. Um, as for where are they, I believe they're almost at another plane, but yet they're still stuck in this plane at the same time. Huh. 
different well, dimensions. Uh, yeah, different dimensions, I suppose. But it's, I do think that there's different levels of uh, the other side. Okay, but, all right, let's go to electronic voice phenomena. So much of what you get on tape appears to me or seems to be a direct response to something that a living, breathing human being has said, provoked, or asked. Yes, they, uh, many of them are responding to what is taking place at the time or Ex being said at the time. Exactly. So that, that would indicate to me that they must, must have a much clearer view from their side of our dimension or whatever word you want to use than we have of theirs. Yes, because it's, uh, it's consciousness. It's, they're not uh, inhibited by the physical being. Uh, the other thing I get from listening to the electronic voice phenomena is that we probably don't change much. Uh, if we are warm, loving people, when we uh, kick the bucket, then there's a good chance we're warm, loving spirits on the other side. If we're miserable bastards here, then we're probably miserable bastards over there. I believe that. And that's, to me, what some of your recordings have sort of shown. Mm-hmm. I don't see why death would alter our personalities when our consciousness continues. So there's, you know, all manner of spirit on the other side, I guess. Uh, uh, angry people, um, greedy people, people with avarice. Is there avarice on the other side? There's um, jealousy on the other side. There's... Hatred. Probably guys looking at their wives getting remarried, going nuts over on the other side. Yes. <laughs> it just continues on. You know, on and on. Yes, on and on. Indeed. Uh, have you ever had, before we get into these, have you ever had communication uh, from a spirit which you thought was at a different, or in a different place, a different realm? There are many who feel that only one level above us can communicate back to us, uh, but that not, uh, not other higher levels. I, that would be hard to say. I believe that the ones, this is all just theory, you know. I, I don't know. The whole thing know, is just theory, sure. But um, I believe that the voices that we record are stuck in this plane that's with us. I think that they have not gone on to where they should go. I think that they are stuck here for some reason, whatever reason. They haven't resolved something or they don't realize they're dead. They're, they're in the same realm unseen by us. I, uh, I think that uh, people that have continued on to where they go and are experienced by one of their loved ones or something like that, they are coming back for a purpose. Huh. Uh, but the ones that we record, I believe, are, are still around us. Uh, and again, just like they were in life, pretty much. Not, not a whole lot of difference. Right. That's my own personal belief. Why do you two continue to do this? I mean, uh, I, I realize that probably buying a tape recorder is not an... And by the way, folks, you can do what they are doing if you want to. If you have a colony for it and want to uh, get a tape recorder and wander off into a cemetery for a while, hey, 
Have at it. You'll get results, and then you'll you'll believe yourself. In in the meantime, though, why are you two doing this? You're not realizing any financial gain from it. No books yet. No uh, CD sales, or oh, I don't know, uh, whatever all you might be able to do. Uh, you haven't done it. Uh, why? You know, for me personally, it's just it's utterly fascinating. I, I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. I know, but how can you afford your fascination? Well, sometimes it's not easy. <laughs> it's a lot of hard work is what it is. A lot of sacrificing, and, uh, you know, it, um, this is a priority with us, and and we set it as a priority. Uh, it's, it's not uh, just merely a hobby. There's uh, real dedication and research that goes into this. And uh, Well, what do you want to know? What do the two of you want to know? I, I sort of articulated what I want to know. I want to know the nature of the other side. You two, at this point, as deep into it as you are, what are the questions that you're wanting to answer from your research? Yeah, you know, what we want to know is almost exactly what you just said. We, we want to understand the nature of what the other side is as, as far as we can understand it. Uh, that's why we asked questions of what is it like on your side, uh, sure. where are you at, you know, what do you see, that kind of thing. You don't get a lot of detailed answers, do you? No. And you don't get a lot of long answers. You tend to get uh, either one word or a, a, a short sentence, um, and only very occasionally a long sentence, but that's about the best it gets, right? That's right. Which but the, there's a real phenomena taking place, and it is really... Too bad that mainstream science doesn't look at this phenomenon because it does exist. I agree. Oh, I agree with you. And uh, just so, once again, before we get into them, the rules that you follow, your own rules, are very strict. You never use any pre-recorded tape ever, 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 right? That's correct. Uh, in fact, um, we will, if we listen to a tape uh, and we will re-listen to it, and if we don't hear any EVPs on it, we throw the tape away. Uh, so, you, so you've got to go through a lot of tapes then, don't you? <laughs> we go through hundreds of tapes. Hundreds of tapes. Uh, I hope you've got a good bulk buyer or something. And people will notice, uh, if you've got a cassette recorder, try it yourself. When you receive a tape, open it up, take the cellophane off and put it in, It'll be dead quiet. Uh, after you've recorded, even if you go out, for example, and you leave your recorder in a silent room, and then you listen back to the recording, you will hear the soft hiss. There'll be, it'll sound different. You'll, see, you'll hear the soft hiss and background ambient noise, whatever it might be, of this supposedly totally silent room. So you will know it's been a, a tape that has been recorded on, and I just want everybody to understand these are absolutely... First rate, right out of the cellophane, blank tapes that these voices appear on. That's correct. Another, another thing people say is, well, maybe you were near a radio station and you got some RF radiation or something that uh, got into your uh, uh, tape machine and, and, and there was a little hit of a voice on there or something from that, from a radio or TV broadcast. Yeah, and, and we hear that uh, quite a bit, actually. And, you know... Truth be told, it does happen. Uh, but the sound quality of the voice uh, that ends up as a radio transmission on the tape, you, you can tell the difference between EVP and a radio transmission. There's easily a different sound quality. And then on top of that, 
the majority of these voices are interacting with us. If not what we're asking them, they interact with something that we're doing just amongst ourselves as a group. So, I don't know. I'll let people conclude what they will from listening to these tapes, but uh, I conclude the other side is neither a happy nor an unhappy place. Uh, probably both. Uh, in other words, as, as you listen to the voices you hear tonight, folks, I think you're going to realize that you're hearing uh, both very happy souls and very unhappy souls. And I haven't even listened to the recordings yet, but would that be a safe conclusion? Yes, it would be. It's just like people that you meet in everyday life. Right. All right. Uh, hold on, you two. So coming up after the break, we're going to dig into voices from the other side. We had to do that setup so you, you would understand exactly what it is you're hearing. They don't make a cent on it. They do it because they're fascinated and they want to know the same thing I want to know. What the heck is over there and what do we have to look forward to uh, rather sooner than later? I'm Art Bell and this is Coast to Coast AM. Now, to my guests, 
and our electronic voice phenomena. Voices actually from the other side, Brendan Cook and Barbara McBeth, welcome back. Thank you. All right, uh, let's talk about the, uh, the first item that we have tonight. All right, well, this first one uh, was recorded in a cemetery we actually go to quite frequently. Mm. And we happened to record this on the night that we had witnessed a ghost light. Well, oh. with our own eyes, we didn't even need our infrared to see this. We could, I, I believe, there was nine people there th at this time. Can you and, can you recall? Uh, tell me what you saw. Well, actually, if you go to the website, there's a photograph of it on our website. Oh, uh, you, you got a photograph? Yeah. In fact, it, it was after it landed on my back. I uh, landed on your back. Well, I All got. Right. <laughs> I'm on my way to the website. Let's see. I'm going to go to my website. I'm going to go to program. I'm going to go to tonight's guest info. And I'm going to go to your website. And I am on your website. Where do I go? If you click on EVP. Uh, okay. And you go down to, I believe it's EVP Gallery 2. EVP Gallery 2. I am there. And... Uh, it'll be under a link that says Northern Utah Cemetery. Northern Utah Cemetery. You guys love cemeteries, don't you? <laughs> they're they're wonderful places. Ah, uh, let's see. Oh, there are so many. There's a million links here. Oh my gosh, Gallery Two is full of a million links. Yeah, actually, each gallery has, I believe, 25 EVPs. Uh, right. How far down is this one? Do you know? Uh, I believe it's. Maybe eight down. It's somewhere in the middle. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, here it is. The link is dedicated to the voices recorded in a northern Utah cemetery, correct? Mm-hmm. All right. Click on that. And let's see. Uh, what then? Uh, there should be a photograph that loads. Oh, no, I'm afraid what happened is uh, I clicked on it, and I got something that says, Aliens must have abducted this page. <laughs> yeah, our, uh, ever ever since we were scheduled to come on your show, our, our site's been going a little little weird. Yeah, we've done that. Uh, you probably do that to a lot of sites. Hundreds <laughs> of sites over the years. <laughs> this... And this is no page. exception. This page must have been abducted by aliens. God. All right, let's go to the EVP. Anyway, here you were in the cemetery. All right, well, what had happened? We had just witnessed this uh, ghost light, and it was starting to move move away from the group. And Barbara says, Parker, don't leave. And this was our little nickname for this light was Parker because of a... It kept going down into a sim, uh, into a grave that uh, the headstone said Parker, and it would come up out of there. Oh, the wait a minute. The gravestone said Parker? Yes. And so you obviously then called it, obviously, Parker. Right. Uh, yeah. What kind of light was this, please? I mean, was it a, a like an orb? Was it a, a softer light? And How did it manifest? You know, it was almost kind of a fluorescent globule light. <laughs> It started out quite large, and as it had come down the road closer to us, it got about the size of your thumbnail. Uh -huh. and it stayed that size. It was very intense when it came between me and Brendan. It was uh, very bright, bright white. With uh, I also no noticed it almost had like an electrical charge where it had orange and blue in it. It would blink out and... 
come back on. Sounds electromagnetic to me. Okay. It does. So you said, Parker, don't leave? Yeah, on this clip, you're going to hear Barbara say, Parker, don't leave. And then directly after, you'll hear a voice say, I'm not far. I'm not far. All right, uh, here we go. Take a listen to this, folks. Parker, don't leave. You know, uh, all right, it does say I'm not far, but the way it says it would lead me to believe either one of two things. The, uh, the spirit almost like has a cold yeah, or it has a British accent. I can't tell which. That's exactly. That's, that's one of the first things I told Barbara when we were thinking about using this voice for the show, that I believed it either had an accent or it was nasally congested. Yeah, I'm not far. It definitely says I'm not far. Listen, folks. I'm not That is too weird. Really too weird, and in a cemetery at that. Uh, aren't you guys even a little bit creeped out going to cemeteries, particularly at night? I mean, I did that a few times. Probably most kids have done it, you know, uh, sort of gone into a cemetery at night and creep yourself out. But going in, knowing what you guys know, having received what you've received in the past, knowing what you were there for, is, isn't that creepy? Uh, the only thing that creeps me out is if there might be an actual person in there that I'm not aware of. You mean li living person? Yes. Uh, <laughs> that that idea bothers me. So you don't fear the dead, you fear the living? Yes. I, uh, I would much rather come up against any ghost than somebody lurking around in the cemetery that I don't know. <laughs> well, I suppose that's, uh, that's, that's fair. All right, number two here, what do we have? This was in a different cemetery. Uh, this was recorded by GIS member Jenny, and nothing was really being said at this time. Uh, she just recorded this voice that says, really, and I don't know if it was referring to something that we were doing or she was doing or what, but it just... This came out of nowhere, huh? came out of nowhere. Here it is. Really indeed. All right, now... Hey, I'm, I've got to ask this again. You've said to me many times that cemeteries are not necessarily uh, the best places to get voices, you know, that they can occur anywhere. That's correct. And but not every cemetery um, yields, yields voices. Fine, fine. Um, all, all fine. Nevertheless, I would but there say... there are some that are real active. I would say, though. The, the majority of the EVPs you've submitted, short the ones in the prison, which were incredible, uh, have come from cemeteries. How come? Uh, you know, I really believe that's because that's the easiest place to get access to. Uh, and, and, you know, most people have a ghost story about a cemetery. So that's, that's where we get a lot of our information from. And we can just head on up to whatever cemetery it is that people let us know about and do what we do. This, uh, the first cemetery, the first voice out of that cemetery, the, uh, one of the local sheriffs had told us about that location. And about Parker? Uh, not about Parker, but about, uh, other things that have been seen in there. And, and in fact, when, he, when they happen to know that we're there, many times they'll come up and be with us, the sheriff department and the, uh, 
think we had the fire department. We had up the there fire department. <laughs> I think the whole town turned out. Do you do you <laughs> so do you notify authorities before you go? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, we get permission and and uh, so that you don't have to worry about getting busted. You know, it's better to be uh, relaxed up and front. concentrate yeah, sure. on what you're doing. Uh, still, I wonder how they take these calls. I mean, I was a 911 operator in Monterey County, and uh, I don't know if I picked up the phone and I said, 911 uh, emergency, and you said, uh, well, I suppose you wouldn't call 911. <laughs> Not me, unless there was a thug in there. Well, you know, even if I was in a sheriff's <laughs> department, I picked up the phone, and you said, uh, say, listen, uh, we're just letting you know we're going to be in a cemetery recording uh, voices of the dead. I wanted to let you know ahead of time. I might, I might dispatch a car just, well, based, just based on your saying that. Uh, well, we will, what I have done in the past is if I, like when we were up in Wyoming, we wanted to go to a cemetery in this town where we were staying overnight. And uh, the first policeman I saw out on patrol, I approached him and asked him if, it, if there was any kind of ordinance uh, uh for that city to be in the cemetery after right, dark. Right. And told him what we were doing and why we were there and we wanted to do an investigation in the cemetery and he said that he it was fine with him and he'd notify the other officers that we were in there. <laughs> That's something. All right, here comes number three. Um what is this and where did this come from? All right, well this is another one from another cemetery. Yet another cemetery. Yes. And, you know, this one, we kind of have, at least me, I hear two different things. Uh, on here, we have it, should we move over there, is what right. is listed on this. Right. Uh, I also can hear that room over there. That room over there. Well, we'll let everybody make up their own mind. Should we move over there or that room over there? Folks, here it comes. <laughs> Ooh, that's got an eer eerie quality to it. Should we move over there is what I'm hearing. That's what I think it's saying also. You all, uh, when you get one of these, I'm sure it's very exciting. People don't understand. You don't just go and harvest these voices as you would wheat. They're rarer, uh, they're fairly rare uh, to be able to get them. Uh, but when you do get one, I'm sure you're jumping up and down, and then I bet you sit there and argue about what it said. Yes, <laughs> we do many times. We Sometimes do. it's very obvious to all of us what it's saying, and other times we all hear different things. You know, and I really don't want to give the impression to people that, you know, the EVP is just so easy to come by. Uh, it is somewhat rare. I mean, we literally have hundreds, if not thousands, of hours of tape that we've gone through. Uh, just to harvest what we do have. Right. No, I wanted to make that clear. It is fairly rare. Even though the audience can go do this themselves, I mean, a cassette, a mini cassette recorder and a microphone, that's all you need, right? Exactly. And if anyone's thinking about going and doing it, you know, give it three times at the most. And more often than not, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure they'd come up with something. Well... I've had all of these emails because now you've been on with me a number of times, so I've had a lot of response to your programs. And, you know, pe some people have taken up the challenge, and they've gone out, and I've had some really incredible responses like, you know, I was kind of laughing at this, but oh, my God, Art, listen to this, and they'll send me sound clips. 
Yes, we have the same kind of response. You do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right, number four. Uh, this one, uh, we were at a uh, funeral parlor, and you will hear Roger say uh, he was talking to uh, one of the employees that worked there. Right. And he, you'll hear him say, uh, time don't mean nothing to them usually. And you'll hear a whispery voice uh, respond, yes. Huh. Okay, here we go. I don't mean nothing to them, usually. Yes. Yeah. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that could not be more clear and yet eerie at the same time. Listen again, folks. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here we go. I don't mean nothing to them, usually. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> creeps me out. That creeps me out a little bit. Um, but that's also what I hear from everybody in the field of study, that whatever we understand time-wise here uh, has no meaning whatsoever, no relevance on the other side. Time is meaningless. Yeah, and I, I definitely tend to believe that. <sighs> and yet, and yet, they're responding to you in a specific time. In other words, you, you, you said something and got an immediate response. Uh -huh. You know, in, in, in our linear time, the response was linear on the tape from the, the time you asked the question until you got the answer. That's correct. Oh, it's so mystifying. This whole thing on the other side is so incredibly... I guess it's meant to be, though, huh? Well, I hope people get a different perspective about ghosts and the other side. Um, I... That's one one thing that I have tried uh, personally is to educate people on this phenomena and give a different perspective. All right. Based on all you've heard, not just tonight's EVP uh, and all we're going to play, but um, all you've done for all your career of collecting this stuff, what have you guys concluded that the American people should know about the other side? If, if you were just to sum it up. And what would you say? Well, I would say to try to resolve things in this life and be as kind and the best person that you can be because you're not going to change after you die and your mental troubles and problems are going to be with you still. Oh, that's probably very good advice. All right, uh, number five. All right, well... Yeah, this one was recorded at a historic hotel. It's called the Ben Lomond Hotel. It's in Ogden, Utah. Okay. And a ghost that's supposed to haunt this place, her name's Mrs. Eccles, and she's supposed to have a scent of strong lilacs that accompanies her whenever she manifests herself. And we were doing this investigation at this hotel, and... Uh, suddenly one of the members had smelled this lilac smell and had said, what's, what's that smell? Right. And this voice comes in. It's a clear woman's voice that says, it's a white knight. Now, for a long time, this made no sense to us whatsoever. It's a white knight? Exactly. But finally, we got an email from somebody saying, uh, Mary Kay used to make a perfume called White Knight. But it wasn't night as in, you know, it's nighttime. It was night as in uh, medieval night, K-N-I-G-H-T. <laughs> All right. Uh... 
let's listen. Here it is, folks. As yes, um, it sounds like it's saying it's a white night. It's a white night. This, this hotel, they, they've had so much activity. Uh, the general manager uh, started documenting uh, the activities reported at the hotel by staff and guests there. Um, do you think that they welcome that and then uh, sort of try to turn it into a tourist attraction? I know a lot of hotels don't want a damn thing to do with it. They they just don't want anything to do with anything like that, and they think that it will keep, uh, you know, customers, uh, potential customers, away and scare them, and they'll go somewhere else. I mean, how do they feel about it? You know, I I, I don't know if they're using it so much as a tourist attraction, but I, I do know that they are quite proud of the ghost that they have there, and they're very willing to talk about it. Proud of, proud of the ghost. Yeah, in fact, you know, I think in February on the Discovery Channel, they're going to be doing something about the ghost that's supposed to haunt this place. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess they have it registered in the Historical Society. It's supposed to be haunted and so on. It's quite active, and it's very, it's very old. It, uh, it's had quite a history. Uh, of itself, you know, just the events that have happened there in this hotel. Well, you know, it did sound like um, a woman, perhaps of middle age, uh, to me. You know, the voice. Yes. Uh, and she, she, her voice to me has kind of a educated elegance about it, or something. I don't. It doesn't sound like a. She, she sounds quite elegant to me. Yeah, I agree with that. Listen one more time, folks. It's a white night. Oh, that's that's not a white night. What am I doing? Let me get it back here. <laughs> that would have been some good bumper music. Uh, in fact, uh, here's what I'm trying to get to right now. It, it does say it's a white night, I believe. It's a white night. Night is not as clear as it might be. But uh, but but that is what it seems to be saying. Yes. So uh, I just you know I don't know what to say about this except it it is what it is. What do you think most people at home are saying to themselves right now? Well, you know, people for so long have been taught, especially in America, have been taught that ghosts do not exist. Their parents teach them that. Uh, schools teach them that. And for us to come out and present these things showing that it does exist, I think really bothers them. I do, too. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll, we'll uh, lay this down with honors tonight. And we'll be right back with a lot more electronic voice phenomena. Voices from the other side, if that's what you want to believe. If, if, you, if you don't want to believe that, I'm sure nothing we can do tonight will convince you. I'm Art Bell. in white satin
in the Kingdom of Nye from west of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies, 1-800-825-5033. First-time callers may reach Art at 1-775-727-1222. And the wild card line is open at 1-775-727-1295. To reach Art on the toll-free international line, call your AT&T operator and have them dial 800-893-0903. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell from the Kingdom of Nine. Lots of electronic voice phenomena. Voices from the other side. Directly ahead. Somebody is fast blasting me, uh, wanting to know actually a number of people, uh, you two, whether there's any danger that any of these entities that you have recorded uh, would uh, take more than just note of you and have ever followed you home. It is possible, and we've heard of cases uh, that that's happened, and I've suspected that it's happened with me. Oh. One of the reasons, one of the things we always ask people to do is when you're done with an investigation, tell them, I mean out loud, physically out loud, say, I'm leaving now and you're not welcome to come home with us, stay here. Tell me about what you think followed you. Well, me personally, I think it was just, I mean, it was just a ghost. I mean, that's all I can, that's all I can say. Uh, it, we had done an investigation, and, I mean, it was no more than a few nights later that just weird things had started happening in my house. And I have never questioned that my house was haunted. I mean, it's never even crossed my mind. And, you know, suddenly things were turning on and, uh, you know, I'd find things broken in the living room. And Is that when you decided to construct the disclaimer for we're leaving now, don't, don't follow, please? No, we've always done that. I see. All right, uh, let's move on. Um, I liked It's a White Night. Uh, anyway, uh, onward uh, to number six. What have we got here? This uh, voice was recorded by Jenny. Um, we were in a abandoned military hospital that's also been used as a school and this was uh, one of our first nights going there and there's many buildings on this site and we had gone into one of the buildings and I think I had just purchased my infrared camera right and it was one of the first times that we had uh, used it and she recorded this voice uh, it's a kind of a gruff man's voice and it says it sounds like it says that's weird as hell that's weird as hell huh all right let's find out <laughs> that's weird as hell. Now let's think about that statement for a moment. If that if that came from the other side, uh, <laughs> uh, you would think that uh, problems and things to wonder about, you know, once you're dead, those questions would all be answered. And over on the other side, you wouldn't... On this side, uh, there's lots of reason all the time to say, that's weird as hell. <laughs> but over on the other side, you think they've got the same dilemmas going on on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, you know, really, I think he could have been referring to us. Uh, maybe at the fact <laughs> we were even looking for them. Well, uh, you've got a good point. 
You, it, it could be exactly that. Maybe there we are the phenomena. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's some way to think about it. Okay. Um, that one creeped me out sufficiently. Uh, what's next? All right. Uh, I think you'll like this one. Oh. Uh, this was recorded by GIS member Jenny, and it was recorded in a cemetery. Uh, on the tape, you're going to hear Jenny say, Is anybody here? Will you please talk to us? Then you're going to hear a child's voice say, They talk good, or do they talk good? Uh, that's interesting. Uh, all I have listed is just the first part of her question. I didn't know there was an, uh, an answer. Yeah, yeah, and we had to rush and make the set list for you so we could get it out on All right, all right. Uh, so let's all listen very clear carefully. You're listening for a child's voice after her. Anybody hearing? Will you please talk to us? What? And what do you think it said there? I, I believe it says, do they talk good? Do they talk good? All right, uh, let me listen to that one they more time. Talk talk? That's absolutely a child's voice. Yes. Absolutely a child's voice. I, you know, we, we've talked about this on lots of previous programs. They creep me out the most. Uh, children's voices, and I know they do. You too, Barbara. Yes. Uh, and that would indicate, I mean, a child's voice. A child's voice. So then, if you die as an old man or an old woman, uh, you are an old voice, and if you die as a child, you are a child's voice, or can't, can we not come to those conclusions from hearing these? Well, you know, the thing with this is we just don't know. I, I mean, there's no way of really telling. Well, I can tell one thing. That's a child's voice. That is a child's yeah. voice. And I, I have heard of uh, cases where people have... A ghost has been seen by different people in different stages of that ghost's life when he was alive. They, they've seen... People have seen a certain ghost, you know, as a young person, as an right. older person. Right. And I don't know if that's something that we have control over if, or if that's residual. Um, and maybe, I mean, this is just throwing out a theory, but sure. maybe uh, some of these, so many children's voices, um, they are reverting back to when as a child i mean i don't know i can't i can't explain why we record so many children's voices because we never have children with us have you two made a deal with each other in other words if one of you goes before the other i'm going to try like hell to come back and let them know <laughs> <laughs> as long as you're not trying from hell <laughs> i don't uh, think i will <laughs> uh, all right here comes no, what's number eight here um, this one, we were um, with a local Fox crew at a uh, theater that's uh, been uh, kind of revamped. It's a historical theater, and um, 
I was showing the uh, cameraman something that I had recorded on my videotape uh, while they were doing a take with a employee at this place. Um, and I have been told this several times at different locations, uh, but this voice says, why don't you sit there? I've been told to sit down a lot at different locations. <laughs> the other side wants you to sit. Huh? Uh, they want me to sit down. <laughs> All right. Uh, why was Fox there? They were doing a, a report on a, a haunted on this place. theater, yes. Uh, I see. All right, here we go. Uh, it supposedly says, why don't you sit here or something like it. Listen carefully. <laughs> I just said, it says, why don't you sit there? Yes, that's uh, what I hear. Okay, um, as opposed to here. Right. Yeah, it really sounds like that. Why don't you sit there? Hmm. And I was standing up at the time. Right. Again, that seems responsive to your being there. It sounds immediately responsive to you. Mm-hmm. Um, any idea, you two, why such sort, short bursts... Uh, are able to come through in only such short bursts. I mean, if it's constant barrage, you know, like they say in the song, the bumper music that I play, uh, 40,000 men and women every day, you know, that's a lot uh, that die here on Earth and go uh, sailing on over to the other side. It ought to be a cacophony. It ought to just be a, a real crowded place. Again, like an idiot, I, I pretend to understand the nature of the other side. Maybe there's plenty of space, but... You'd think there would be many, many, many spirits over there, wouldn't you? I believe there are. Well, you know, it's 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 possible that this might be these little short bursts or all the energy they have just to make these uh, short sentences. Uh, you know, they, they obviously don't have the physical vocal cords to do this. And whether they're using... And it sounds like it, too. I mean, it's, it's, it's not easy to listen to, and yet some are fully clear enough to hear. They, they just have this odd... Sound, this quality to them. That's true. And, you know, it almost makes me wonder if maybe some of them, at least, are using uh, just various vibrations, sound vibrations, to create make their cre noise. Create what sounds like speech. Yes. Well, they do it very well then, because in the case of a child, there is no question about it being a child. All right, uh, on to number nine. All right, <laughs> this one uh, it was recorded in a, a abandoned mental hospital, and this is also the same place where we've recorded the voice, uh, "You little murdering tramp," that we played a few times on your show. I recall that very well. And this one, it's it's a very gruff voice, uh, Barbara. I, had just said to GIS member Barry, maybe it should sit on your lap, referring to a ghost. Uh -huh. And this voice comes in is probably 10 seconds after she had said this and says, he died up here. He died up here? That's, he that's what it sounds like. Well, that. let's, let's see. Yeah, he died up here. If you listen very closely, it's he died up here already. But on the other hand, uh, that would seem to contradict what we understand about death. Uh, here is where you actually die. There is where you go when you have died. So what do you make out of that one? You know, I really don't know. Uh, maybe um, what I'm thinking of is uh, he's talking about uh, someone that died in that hospital. 
Oh, up here as in the hospital. Mm-hmm. <sighs> wow. So if you died in a mental hospital, <laughs> you might you might remain there. Any any idea why these spirits, for the most part, seem to remain in the areas where they died? Uh, or, or I believe that they them. are linked to that location where they haunt. By what, though? Uh, something in their life, either uh, they're linked there somehow from life. Huh. So if you're walking across the street and you got smushed by an 18-wheeler, you'd be a highway guy, ghost. Uh, ghost I street. could be, or I could go back to some place that uh, was familiar to me. I do believe that they are able to move around just like how we are. All right, you've got a couple of cuts coming up that you just have question marks by. What does that mean? It means you don't understand it? Well, what we did is we left these two open to let your audience decide what they think they hear. Oh. I know what I hear. <laughs> All right, so you, in other words, you want to play them cold. Yes. All right, let's try playing uh, the tenth cut cold and see what the audience hears. Uh, this, this this next one, you're going to hear a person that we had with us. Uh, they, she was referring to a camera that was malfunctioning for some reason at this uh, cemetery, and you'll hear her say, um, "It happened again." She she's asking, "It happened again," and uh, this voice will come in. And say something. Yes. Uh, it happened again. Okay, here we here we go, folks. It happened again. Wow, is that weird? But I'm not sure what was said. All right, here it is again, folks. Um, somebody send me some quick, fast blasts about what you think is being said here. It happened again. <laughs> I'm not sure. So I'm going to uh I'm gonna let the audience uh uh say what uh, what it is that they think they heard. Uh and and we'll get those responses rolling in by fast blast in a moment. Um it, whatever it is, it had again that ethereal, sort of weird I don't know, from another place kind of sound. Yes, uh, I've I've already uh I mentioned this before. It almost sounds like how you would sound underwater if you yes. were talking. Yes, underwater. Uh, actually, it sounds a lot like some modern cell phones I hear. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> All right, here come the guesses. Um, uh, let's see. Sandra from Naperville says, who knows? Robert from Los Angeles says, please stay. Phil from Nashville says, too late. Uh, Joshua from Denver says, uh, please don't. Uh, Jordan from Evansville, Indiana says, please, lady. Uh, Burke from Portland, Oregon says, who died? Uh, uh, Lynn from Reading says, sounds like, oh, no. Now, that's what I thought it said. You thought it said, oh, no? Yes. All right. With all of that in mind, uh, one more time with feeling. Folks, uh, here we go. What happened again? Well, I don't know about oh no, but uh, it was obviously some some sort of response. Now, uh, I've been talking to other people. Uh, last night's guest, for example, who said that 
cameras taken into uh, recently created crop circles. And this is really well documented by all kinds of commercial camera crews as well as amateur. Uh, the batteries tend to die in the fields in these crop circles. And um, I think that you have experienced some of the same thing, haven't you? Yes. yes. Uh, a lot of our electronic equipment will malfunction. In fact, that last voice, uh, the lady that says it happened again, is referring to a camera that was malfunctioning. Well, there you go. So... There's some connection here, um, perhaps dimensionally. I mean, a lot of people, after all, think the other side is merely but another vibrational level, another dimension. And we know that electromagnetics are absolutely involved. After all, that's how you get what you get on um, on tape, on audio tape. So it would it would figure that you'd both run into the same kind of troubles with your equipment. Yes, I think that they do affect the electromagnetic field. Huh. All right. Uh, we've got one more for everybody to guess, and uh, we have the luxury of having a break come up. So uh, we can play this next cut and let people guess what it is they're hearing. I assume that you guys don't do this instantly, the way I'm making the audience do right now. You sit down and probably listen to it a hundred times over, don't you, before you finally settle in on whatever. At least a hundred times. At least a hundred times. All right, same deal on this one. Uh, you want to say where it was recorded? Yeah, this was actually recorded in that same mental hospital as the voice before the last one. All right. And you're going to hear in this clip, Barbara, say, we invite you to come and be with us and talk to us. And then you're going to hear a deep man's voice. And it's the audience's job to decide what the deeps, uh, deep man's voice is saying. Here we go. We invite you to come and be with us and talk to us. <laughs> That's pretty weird. So during the break, you all decide what it is you're hearing there. You decide for yourself what was it you were hearing. Fast blast me with what you thought you heard, and we'll compare it to what they came up with after listening about a hundred times. I'm Art Bell. And 
that's it, folks. You've got to feel it. And if you stretch a little, you can. More EVP coming up. To reach Art Bell in the Kingdom of Nye, from west of the Rockies, dial 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies, 1-800-825-5033. First-time callers may reach Art at 1-775-727-1222. Or use the wildcard line at 1-775-727-1295. To reach Art on the toll-free international line, call your AT&T operator and have them dial 800-893-090. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell on the Premier Radio Networks. With us tonight, the Ghost Investigators Society, Barbara Macbeth, Brendan Cook, and we're listening, that's what we're listening to, voices from the other side. If you think it's something else, you might want to tell us what that is. And again, we're reviewing one that we heard just before the break, and in a moment I'll have the results, and they are very... Very varied indeed. All right, uh, back to it we go. And this is uh, kind of interesting. Again, what we're trying to do is decipher what was said. They certainly did not give us the easy ones. Uh, here it is one more time. I thought got close to what I heard. Diane in Washington, uh, the voice sounds like it's saying you got a beer there. Uh, Matt, uh, let's see, Matt in Anchorage, Alaska says, I heard I'm in the bathroom. Steve in Springfield, Oregon heard, uh, the last one sounded like, what's for dinner? And it sound I heard dinner in it myself. Alan in Chicago, I'd be afraid. Rod in La Crosse, Wisconsin, violets in my bed. Um, so, here's one saying, second uh, spirit saying, I'll be there. These spirits, uh, he goes on, this is uh, uh, Glenn in Oakland, California. These spirits have an extremely hard time vocalizing, like you have, uh, uh, kind of like you have a sore throat. Uh, you two, anybody close? Um, one of, uh, well, Jenny, that recorded this, says that she thinks that it says, I'll be there. I'll be there. I heard... I've been dead, so <laughs> yeah, this kind of gives people an idea of what we go through when we listen to these. It is kind of interpretive, isn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. What's not interpretive is the manner in which it's gathered. Uh, these are correct. Cold, these are cold, hard facts. But well, yeah, what's heard certainly is interpretive. And when you tell us uh, the results of your research ahead of time, it's a lot easier to hear. Although I must say, you did not exactly pick two of the easier ones for the audience to try. And there was a reason for that. Yeah, I'm I'm sure. Okay, Uh, on to to number 12. This one was recorded by Jenny also, and it's at an old military fort that was established back in the 1800s and is still semi in use. Right. Um, And uh, we were conducting an investigation uh, and... We believe that it says, I be fine now. I be fine now. All right, here we are. Uh, something, uh, yeah, it does kind of sound like I be fine now. 
that's pretty close. And, and actually, I appreciate your telling us what you believe it says. It does make it easier to listen to, though we don't always agree with you. That's correct, I know, and, and that's fine, you know. Uh, this is uh, going between five people trying to determine some of these voices. If, right. if other people hear something different, that's okay, because we, we don't proclaim that that's exactly what it's saying. It's just what it sounds like to us. Well, obviously, they have a very difficult time getting it through legibly. Uh, wh whatever the problem is from the other side, uh, it's very hard to get it through legibly. Yes. Uh, and, and what you said about it sounding like uh, someone that's talking that has a sore throat. Yes. If you've ever had a severe sore throat, it is very hard to uh, pronounce your words correctly, and that's a good analogy. Yeah, yeah. Um... Boy, I wish I, I could learn more about the other side. Maybe we're not meant to know. Do you run up against that? That uh, occasionally you just finally throw up your hands and say we're not meant to know? I don't think we will probably ever know. I I don't think that we can comprehend uh, what lies in wait for us. Well, I mean... It's probably a good thing that we don't know. Maybe it is. I, I am, though, beginning to certainly believe there absolutely is something. The evidence to me is mounting very, very heavily on the side that there is, uh, there is, there is something after this physical death, and what you all are doing here certainly adds to that. All right, number 13. All right, well, this one was recorded in the same military fort uh, in Salt Lake City, and... We believe it just simply says he's scared. Okay, he's scared. Let's go. Yeah, oh God, that's awful. <laughs> you know, uh, yes. I, oh, this is very whispery. Yeah, Roger had just mentioned that he had scared himself. Oh, he had. <laughs> uh, he was talking to the museum curator and. Uh, he had uh, was going down into the basement, and <laughs> and he had scared himself, and he had told the curator that he had scared himself. Ah, uh, this one's creepy. Here it is again. <laughs> oh, that's creepy. That's really creepy. Uh, whispers are, especially whispers that sound like that, are really, really just really creepy. <laughs> And that really seems to be the majority of what we get is whispers. Really? Yeah, and, you know, of course, tonight, and, and for a radio show, it's it's much easier to play the louder, more pronounced stuff, but the majority of, of the voices we record are whispers. So, Many of them we can't use because they are so whispery. All right, I understand. Uh, and uh, a lot of those you do put on your website, though, don't you? Yes, we do. Uh-huh. Uh, what, uh, what criterion does something have to meet to, uh, either go on your website or come up to the level of broadcast? Well, for one, it's got to be audible. Uh, <laughs> you know, we prefer interaction, um, just because that, that tends to be almost more proof if there's some kind of interaction. It rolls out cell phones or radio transmissions. Did you know there's a story from Britain... Now, you mentioned cell phones. That's very interesting. I read it the other night. A story from Britain that cell phones are killing off or driving off, we have no way of knowing, 
ghosts or entities. Uh, there is a researcher in Great Britain who is convinced cell phones are killing ghosts. I, I wasn't aware of that. Really? Yeah, yeah, that's some fairly serious research. Uh, in areas of high cell phone use, they're having very low uh, numbers of uh, hauntings. Um, I wonder if it's the electrical interference. Well? I don't think that it would be killing ghosts, but maybe they are not able yeah. to manifest as... Well, really is what they were able well, to. Well, a cell phone uh, emits uh, electromagnetic energy to do what it does. So anything is possible. I suppose anything is possible. All right. On to the next one. Uh, number 14. This was recorded at that same fort. And um, this, uh, we believe, is a voice that says, oh, my God. In response to something, or just out of the blue? This was just out of the blue. Out of the blue. All right, here we go. Let's hear what you folks uh, say. See, now, I have a hard... Uh, that one's hard for me. I don't hear that. I don't. And I also hear two voices on that last word. Uh, let me listen. Yep, could be. Could be, could be two voices. I don't know. Uh, that I one's... hear a whispery, breathy one, and then the voice also that is saying, oh my. <laughs> Fascinating. Uh, again, these are really open to interpretation. And uh, if you tell us what we're about to hear first, it's a lot easier to hear it. And probably the tendency of the human brain, you know, is to try and match what you're saying yeah. It is with what we're playing here. That's correct. Uh, so um, I agree with the people who say that if we don't tell people what it is, uh, they're probably going to come up with a million different interpretations, as we just proved, a few of which will be very much like what you heard or I heard, mm -hmm. but they'll be, still be very, very different. Uh, the only unambiguous thing here is that these do appear to be voices f from the other side. Uh, unless there's any other answer, is there any other possible answer that the two of you have come up with uh, with regard to what you're hearing other than voices from the other side? You know, really, there isn't any other answer that I've come up with. Uh, as I mentioned before, it is possible to get radio transmission. Uh, which we have picked up before. Oh, these clearly are not that. Look, exactly. If you're getting a commercial uh, transmission, uh, it's going to be very, very, very easy to identify. Very easy to identify. And that's not the way these sound, not even close. Yes. And, you know, what proves this to me, in my mind, is the fact that it, they interact with us. And, you know, since I've started, and up until now, and probably until I quit doing it, which I don't know when that'll be, the most amazing aspect is that they do interact. Have you ever come close to quitting? No. <laughs> no, and I don't believe I will. You think you'll do this right up until the time you become a voice? Yes, I, I definitely <laughs> believe that. <laughs> Boy, it's... it's. Uh... And they promised me that they'd push me out in my wheelchair when I get too old. <laughs> <laughs> 
Granny's <laughs> sitting there with her, uh, her, 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 her <laughs> When I can't move around on my own. Brendan, hand me another tape. I need a tape, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> Might not be too far off either. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, number 15. All right, well, we're still in the same military fort. Okay. Um, in fact, I think the majority of these were recorded on the same night. Uh, really? Uh, this was a fertile night. Yes, and, and and this place seems to be very active. Uh, and this voice, I mean, it sounds like it says one poor man, but I can also hear one important man. Huh. Uh, let's see what everybody out there hears. I would vote for, I think he's saying important. Important man. Something about an important man. I do hear that. Yes, that's that's what I hear. All right, uh, one last time. What do you hear? It could even be we have an important man, or we have an important man. Hmm. Now... Now that I've suggested it, let, let, let's try a little reverse psychology. Listen for, uh, we have an important man. We have an important man. Listen. What about it? See, I, I can hear the word have now. I, I can't hear we. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. Uh, you Again... Usually an audience will, in an attempt to shoot holes in something like this, say, oh, come on, you know, play it and don't tell them what's being said. And the audience is correct. I mean, you, you do come up with a million different uh, interpretations because people's ears are hearing different things. Uh, all that is left for them to explain is how these voices get on these tapes. That's correct. And how they sound like this and how they appear to be responsive uh, mo more times than not to something you were saying or doing, which implies uh, some kind of consciousness. Of course, I suppose they could suggest you are the ones attaching the relevance to what's being said. What, what about that? That's, that's true. And, you know, we get emails like this all the time uh, just because of the nature of what we're doing. And really all we can tell people is if they question it to try it for themselves. I mean, that that's really the only thing we can say. How many people write to you guys and are angry and then don't like what you're doing and think you're tampering, you know, in areas that will bring you misfortune or a haunting or bad will of some sort? In other words, they're, they're very unhappy with, with your doing this. You know, surprisingly, very few. Really? Um, really? I, I can come to remember probably four emails uh, that were... That were like that. Um, other than that, everything's been pretty much positive. I mean, we do get the emails of people saying, "Oh, this is this is bull," and uh, and this is you know not true, and you guys are faking this. And we we tell them, you know, for one, what reason do we have to fake this? I mean, what do we actually gain by faking anything? Actually, I don't think you have anything to gain by anything you're doing. Uh, exactly. And, you know, and then again, like I said before, we invite them to go out and try it for themselves. And we have had people write in who say that, you know, this is all fake and then go try it and write back and say, oh, well, I, had, I, I yeah, was wrong. Yeah, I've had lots of those. Um, what should people do? Um, uh, fine. Go to a cemetery, for example. And do you attempt, should they attempt 
take the tape recorder along, and then do you begin talking to the graves, talking to the area, talking to the air? Uh, do you, do you I talk to, to the air. <laughs> you just talk to the air. It takes a little getting used to. And, you know, and you don't have to go out at night. Uh, if there's um, city ordinances or if uh, a person is afraid, they should never go by themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, they should take at least somebody with them. And just take a stroll through the cemetery. They're very peaceful during the day. And uh, because many of these voices that we have played on the uh, shows have been recorded during the day. Okay. It doesn't have to be at night. We just Good. go out at night because it's more quiet. Well, I probably wouldn't be inclined mostly to go out at night. Uh, and, and I, you know, and people that aren't in, really into this, uh, I can see where they would be afraid of it. And so they can, if they want to try it, they can do it in the daylight. Well, there it doesn't are, have to be at night. Okay, well, there are a lot of people who think that you're uh, taking a risk, that you're opening a door, that what you're doing is the equivalent of uh, sitting down to play with a Ouija board. It's not the same at all. Okay. You, um... Uh, well, you're—it's uh, not the same. On a Ouija board, you're 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 moving this piece around, uh, trying to communicate with the dead. Uh, in your case, you're uh, rolling a tape recorder, trying to communicate with the dead. There's not a giant difference. Yes, there is. All right, what is it? Uh, we go to locations that have reported uh, haunting activity and ghost activity. When you are using a Ouija board, you are inviting anything in. Well, that's, I guess, right. And uh, a lot of people that play with a Ouija board, there's no kind of activity in their home originally, but they'll have a lot of activity after. Uh -huh. They are inviting any kind of entity, any kind of force that uh, is out there to come in. And after they're... They look at the, the Ouija board as a game, and it is not a game. It's very serious. Thank you. All right. Uh, just before the top of the hour, number 16. This one was recorded in the same fort uh, by Jenny, and um, I believe it says, I demand to differ. Now, Brendan hears, I demand a difference, but I hear, I demand to differ. All right, let's see what I hear. Oh, gee, I think that's quite clear. I think it's saying, I demand a difference. So I guess I agree with Brendan. One more time, it sounds like, I demand a difference. Brendan, I've got to be on your side on this one. I demand the difference uh, word seems very clear to me. Yes, and, and me too. The night that I uh, recorded this, that, that's the first thing I thought was it was saying difference. When I can just hear differ. I wonder if, uh, if he's uh, uh, complaining, in essence, about some conditions on the other side. <laughs> you, you don't want to believe that, but I mean... I demand a difference. I demand change. <laughs> the hierarchy will straighten itself out up here. We in heaven are tired of paying these taxes for low clouds and short wings. Roll, 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 roll. 
Kingdom of Nye from west of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies, 1-800-825-5033. First-time callers may reach Art at 1-775-727-1222. And the wild card line is open at 1-775-727-1295. To reach Art on the toll-free international line, call your AT&T operator and have them dial 800-893-0903. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell from the Kingdom of Nye. It sure is. Good morning, GIS, the Ghost Investigators Society is with us tonight. Brendan and Barbara, and we've got more voices coming up from the other side. Or is it down from the other side? I don't really know. Anyway, more of them coming up shortly. Stay right there. Back now to our uh, frequent visitors to graveyards and uh, other places where people have passed away. Uh, Brendan and Barbara, you're back on the air again. We're here. <laughs> All right. Um, dare I even ask about whistle? <clears throat> well, uh, this one gets into an interesting place. Uh, when we got to it, it was an abandoned movie theater. And we had heard stories for the past couple of years about this location. And it had just so happened that this place had just become abandoned, so we decided we would go in and do some investigations. Well, <clears throat> this really is the only place that I've ever felt extremely uneasy about. Um, I don't know what it is about this location, but there was just an uneasy, dark feeling about it. Um, some of the members uh, that had gone in there with us before when we first started doing it, I guess, had got physically ill and had to leave. Um, one got so freaked out because he saw somebody standing right next to him that he just ran out of the building and stayed in the parking lot. That's a little hint. <laughs> so, um, so not just you, but others have had... Uh, what about you, Barbara? No bad vibes for you? No, I really didn't. I uh, I thought it was a very interesting location, and I was uh, very sorry to see them tear it down. Uh huh. All right. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what, what was this interactive, or uh, is this just something that popped up? Uh, well, this 
are you referring to the voice or the, the whistle? Well, it says whistle. I don't know. I, I mean, what was this whistle, whatever that means? Was All it right. an interactive response or just something you caught? Well, in the clip, you're going to hear this little short... I, I, it sounds like a whistle. It's like it whistles twice. And then... And, and Barbara and Roger heard this at the time. Audibly heard it? Audibly heard it. Because right after it happens, you're going to hear Barbara say, what was that? And then her husband, JS member Roger, says, I thought it was you. And then you'll hear Barbara again say no. <laughs> okay. Wow. I'm not sure what to make of that myself. I'm not sure what to make of that. I, I don't know what that sound was. Uh, it could have been a whistle, or it could have been an attempt at trying to form a word. I can't make it out. I think that some someone was trying to get our attention. Yeah, that could easily be. Could easily be. All right, 18. Uh, this one was in the same theater, and... Um, Jenny recorded this one, and it's it. Uh, Brendan has it down that uh, it says, "I'm scared," but yes. I think it says, "Are you scared?" Uh, <laughs> All right, here we go. Ooh. Oh, now that one is really, 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 really bizarre. One more time. I clearly hear it saying, are you scared? I'm with you, I think, Barbara. Are you scared? It could not be more clear to me. Yeah, I think uh, kind of a whispering. <laughs> and it, it almost sounds somewhat like a child's voice, too. Female and child, female, or young female yeah, or young. child. It's hard to make out. Uh, let, let me hear one more, one more time. Hold on. Yeah, clearly a young female or a child uh, asking, are you scared? Now, God, that one's clear. That one's too clear for me. And it also reflects uh, really what you were saying, uh, Brendan. After all, you, you were scared. Yeah, uh, you know, I wouldn't know if I'd call it scared, but it was definitely uneasy. Um Almost everybody that would go in there felt very uneasy. There was just something that was almost dark about about this location. Huh. Huh. And it was completely empty of any of the theater seats. There's uh, three. There was three theaters in this building, and um, the only thing that was left in it was the was two concession stands, you know, in the middle of the building. And um, I know that uh, anyone that went in there, uh, any of the group, uh, felt very uneasy in there. Do you all think that the hauntings are related to specific buildings, old buildings in particular, or the land on which they sit, the area, the physical area in which they are? I think the majority could be. Um, 
and you know, you mentioned the land. There, there's a popular misconception that you know it's always over an old ancient Indian burial ground. In fact, we hear that probably 80 percent of the time when people call us, they will say that their house was built on ancient Indian burial ground. Right. And you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's correct. I, who knows what could have happened on that land hundreds, thousands of years ago? I mean, that could cause it to be haunted. If it's true that ghosts don't have a concept of time, I mean, they could still be haunting that land even though they died over a thousand years ago. That's something to think about, isn't it? I mean, that uh, I, I suppose uh, on the other side it wouldn't be a bother because there is not that concept of time. Although that's hard for us to understand. A thousand years sounds like a long time to be hanging around anywhere. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, like we said, I, I believe that us as living humans probably won't be capable of understanding the other side to a point. I think we can understand maybe some aspects of it, but, you know, we'll never fully understand it. All right. Um, here comes another one. And uh, this, I guess, is a child's voice, huh? Yeah, this. This one is really interesting because this was, I think, I believe, second or third investigation at this theater. And Barbara recorded this. And we had realized the first couple of investigations prior to this that there were children in this building. We had recorded children's voices. So Barbara is saying a little nursery rhyme in this clip. Uh -huh. And you will hear a child interact with her. She'll say five, six. And after that, you'll hear a child say five, six. Oh, boy. And then she'll say, pick up sticks, and the little child will say, sticks. Oh, you're kidding. And she'll no, say, you're obviously not kidding. <laughs> and she'll say, seven, eight, lay them straight. And then you'll hear the child say, straight. And then nine, ten, a big fat hen. And then she laughs. And directly after that, you'll hear a child say, hen. There's big fat hen. Uh-huh. And, and really? This one generally creeps me out just because I have, I have somewhat of a weird phobia of nursery rhymes. So. All right, let's see what we think. Five, six. Pick up six. Seven, eight. Seven, eight. Nine, ten. A big fat hen. <laughs> I heard hen at the end. I heard hen at the end myself. Uh, one more time. Five, six. Pick up six. Seven, eight. Seven, eight. Nine, ten. A big fat hen. <laughs> hen. Actually, the hen, uh, the sound of the hen comes over the, over the sound of Barbara herself. Yes, yes. it does. Uh, all the other in-between parts are a little bit lower than Barbara. Right. But that, that very end part is... It comes painful. over her voice. <laughs> a lot of people are going to have a hard time explaining that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And I was really hoping that uh, whatever children were there would interact with this rhyme. How frequently uh, do these voices... Um, overlap your voices. In other words, in the middle of either asking a question or trying to elicit a response or speaking to the air, whatever you do, 
the voice comes in on top of your voice. It'll happen quite often because we're not aware that we're getting a response at the time. Of and course not. Sometimes we could, I, me, myself, I could just kick myself for going on talking. <laughs> I hear you. But you, you would have no way of knowing. No. You know, this next clip that Barbara is going to explain, you can hear a little bit of that overlapping. Mm-hmm. Again? Well, right. it um, this, this next one is just bizarre. It's just kind of cheesy. <laughs> Why do you say cheesy? Well, it just sounds like a stereotype ghost what's in ghost movies uh, in b-rated you know those b-movies oh i see of of ghosts uh it just sounds like a stereotype a stereotype ghost moaning and groaning like it's uh, like it's something trying to scare us and at the very end i don't know if you can hear it on the over the radio but you can barely hear jenny say hear that uh all right here we go So that's horrible. Uh, in, in other words, not not not. Hor I don't react to it quite in the same way you do. I didn't get cheesy out of it. I just got. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> you know, whatever I think it, it is, sounds cheesy. <laughs> whatever it is, it's not good. Oh, not good at all. Um, yeah, yeah. That's 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 a moan. All right. That's more of a. That's like a death moan. I mean, that's like a. You're going to die, Mom. Yeah. I just think it sounds like a stereotype of what people would imagine a ghost to sound like well, in a, an old haunted home. But has it ever occurred to you that that old stereotype, that, that most myths are, you know, they have some vestige of truth in them. Uh, yes. and, and most stereotypes have some vestige of reason for being that stereotype. In other yes. words, that did occur to you? Yes. One more time. Oh. <laughs> oh, I, you saved the best for last. Uh, that one was really good. I might have to save that clip myself. <laughs> oh, jeez! All right, uh, I, I want to get some. <laughs> I want to get some questions from the audience in in the last segment. Uh, so let's let's try and move on here. Uh, number twenty one. All right. Well, this was recorded by JS member Jenny, and in this clip, this was in that same theater, and you'll hear Jenny say, "It's probably." And she's trying to point out where she had seen an orb on the infrared camera. Okay. And she doesn't quite finish her sentence. But right after she says it's probably, you hear a young child say, stay with me. Ah, oh, it's a child again, huh? All right, here we go. That 
it's so clear. Stay with me is so clear. One more time. Oh, no question about it. That's a child saying, stay with me. And, you know, honestly, I think that's one of the clearest child's voices that I've heard, with the exception of that it's dark in here that we played on your show before. Yes. Um, you know, the night I re or not recorded that, but found that on the tape, I phoned Barbara and told her that I, I had heard that. Yes. And, you know, I almost felt guilty because I was excited about hearing this clear voice, but yet it made me feel so bad that this child felt so alone and just sounded like he was so alone. Yeah, this is the part that's um, almost too hard for me. Uh, that children are over there, wherever there is and whatever it is, and they're alone and sometimes they're scared and they're frightened and they think it's dark. And that just... It just doesn't sound like the expectation that I have of what the other side would be like, especially for a child. Yeah, see, and the thing that got me about this location, too, was the children sounded incredibly young. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that child, that child's voice uh, sounded like a five or a six-year-old or something like that. <laughs> I'd say five or six years old. Yeah, I, I was thinking even younger. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, again, who are we to know the nature of the other side? And admittedly, we, we don't. But hearing that is just so unnerving and so worrisome. Why would a child be either lonely, scared, or cold on the other side? You know, I, anybody want to take a shot at that one? <laughs> you know, um, I had a friend uh, talking to me about this, and she said maybe one of the reasons uh, that we get so many children is that the, the families uh, are mourning and won't let them go. Yeah, mourning does seem to have a lot to do with it, and it does seem like relatives who will not let go just absolutely will not let go don't they they they, they keep these spirits on the side don't don't they yes and and uh, I think that there is a lot to be said for that um, I I believe that but I can't understand what the child would be doing in this theater but I don't know. It's just, it makes me uncomfortable. But we're not here to be comfortable or uncomfortable. Just present the material. Thank you, To uh, We'll go to calls here in a moment, okay? All right. Stay right where you are. I'm Art Bell. This is Coast to Coast AM. Number two, a movie green 
Clark Bell in the Kingdom of Nye. From west of the Rockies, dial 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies, 1-800-825-5033. First-time callers may reach Art at 1-775-727-1222. Or use the wild card line at 1-775-727-1295. To reach Art on the toll-free international line, call your AT&T operator and have them dial 800-893-0903. That's Gordon Lightfoot, of course. Good morning, everybody. GIS investigators are here, and you're hearing voices from the other side. We're going to take a few questions. For Brendan and Barbara in a moment. Stay right there. Back now to the Ghost Investigators Society and uh, Brendan and Barbara. And we have just one more to go, uh, one more to play before we uh, take a few calls. What is this one? This one was uh, recorded uh, by myself in that same theater. And um, it's uh, kind of a singing voice. And... Is there, do you recall, Art, if there was ever a, like a, a product called Chlorodent? Uh, yeah, I think there was. Chlora Like something. a chiclet? Or <laughs> like a gum or something? Something like that, sure. I'm uh, sure this, there was. This voice, uh, what I believe it is saying, it's kind of a singing voice and it's, it says cold, cold Chlorodent. Really? <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's see what we get. Almost sounds like an ad. Something uh, cold, and I hear chlorident. I hear cold and chlorident in there. Yeah, it almost reminds me of an ad or something. Yeah, it does, doesn't like it? A little jingle. All right, uh, let's uh, subject you two to the audience and see what they've got to say. First time caller line, you're on the air with GIS. Hello. Hi. I Hi. think it was chlorat the gum. That, that could be. <laughs> Hello, good morning, Brenda and Barbara. Hello. Um, good morning. This is James from Midland, Texas. I had a question about how the, how you thought these voices um, were formed on the tape. I've been following EVP for a few years now, and I think the most fascinating thing is where the voices manipulate sounds in the environment, and it's almost like the sounds transform into the voice. And I was wondering, do you think the voices are, like, imprinted on the tape, mm. like, telekinetically, or... Or are they actually produced in the air around the tape? Well, you know, uh, there's numerous different theories on how this actually takes place. Uh, I tend to believe two different theories. One, that yes, it is imprinted on the tape. I believe some of them are imprinted on the tape. Um, yeah, but I'd like to note that, for example, tonight, in at least two instances, people heard audibly what, 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 what came on the tape. Or yeah, and that, that goes to my next theory that uh, I believe some other voices are using variant sounds that are in the atmosphere or in that location to form their voice. Yeah, they're just theories, sir. Your guess is as good as anybody's. Uh, they're the investigators, and that's all they've got is theories. What do you think? Well, I, I, I'm thinking of an example of where a woman was recording um, over a television set. And in the background was a French program, right? Yeah. She asked the question, um, do you pray to God? 
and it was in English, the question. And all of a sudden, the French program, it got almost like it morphed into English. And the French in the background said, uh, of course, I pray to God. <laughs> That's right. that, is, that is odd. Uh, and that's an interesting question, one that several people ask. Uh, do you get, of course, you might not recognize it, but do you get voices in other languages? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Oh, you do? Yes, and, and we have... I believe five or six examples posted on our website right now. All right. If we were to bring these on the air, they would be so indecipherable. They're hardly decipherable in English. But if we were to bring other languages, uh, it would really confuse people. But the answer is you do get them. Yes, we have some in German, uh, Spanish. I believe we've got some in what sounds like French. Okay. Uh, Wildcard Line, you're on the air with the GIS. Hello. Hi, this is almost as chilling as uh, some velvet morning art. Sure it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask your guests, uh, whatever happened to Dr. Rodiv, I believe, was his name? Oh, Rodive? That might have been it. He, I, I guess he started the whole research. Is he the father of EVP? Right. Uh, to a point, yes. He's, he's the one that really brought it out to people. Is um, he still around or a scientist no, commenting? No, he's, he's passed away. Uh -huh. um, and actually, there's been some researchers who've claimed they've recorded his voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you would think anybody uh, who in life had had a passion for receiving voices from the other side would be a likely uh, a transmitter when they got on the other side because they'd be intent on doing specifically that. Yeah, That's and right. I, yeah. I had read an article where he had said that he would try to uh, leave his voice on somebody's recorder. I believe it was a... A man that was working with him, he said he would come back to him and leave his voice on his recorder. Well, I had a, I had a comment too. Um, I looked up for the lady who was saying uh, "White Knight." Right. Well, I, I went immediately to my uh, Oxford Complete Word Finder, and under "White Knight," I found "British for Sleepless Night." So maybe that puts another interpretation on it. Oh, wow. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you very much, guys. All right. Thank All you, right. sir. Uh, thank very you. interesting because, again, my comment at the time was perhaps a British accent or a nasal voice, somebody with a cold, I, I think I said. Um, East of the Rockies, you're on the air with GIS. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. My name is Beth. I'm from Buffalo. Yes. And my question is, once you hear these recordings and you hear what their people are saying and they sound sad and scared and everything like that, do you ever go back to the place and tell them to go to the light to kind of end their misery? Yeah, that's a good question, actually. We go to, we, re, we will return to the location, um, and we will ask, is there anything that we can do for you? Um, although I've never recorded an answer to that, um, I, we do not tell them to go to the light. No. Is it because you want to keep going back and recording them? Or? No, 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 no. I, I feel like um, whatever I do is not going to make a difference whether they go or not. I, I feel like a lot of these uh, ghosts that are still lingering around, there is a reason why they're staying, and they haven't resolved whatever they need to resolve. Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm not sure we know enough about the other side to be a traffic cop for it, you know, and tell them where to go. I, I don't think that me saying to go to the light is going to make them go anywhere. I understand that that's what we think. We think, right. you know, off to the light with you, you know, and uh, but maybe we don't know what we're talking about. We just don't understand much about the other side. But evidence like this has got to make you think, right, ma'am? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, it does. <laughs> thank you so much. Right, thank you, and take care. Uh, West of the Rockies, you're on the air with the GIS. Hi. Hi. Yes, sir. Hi, this is Matt from uh, Tucson, Arizona. Yes, Matt. And I was just uh, wondering, uh, why do they think that the that they are being communicated with? Or, I mean, this kind of goes back to the last question, but I mean, are they trying to get are they trying for to get help, or are they are they are they just eager to communicate like any living human being? Okay. Well, when we go out on an investigation, and we go to these locations that have uh, reported ghost activity, we invite these. Uh, who is ever there to join in our conversation and talk with us. Uh-huh. And um, most of the time, we will get at least uh, a voice within that first hour. Uh, sometimes we won't get anything at a place that we've gotten, gotten voices before. Uh, we won't get anything on a, on a certain night. But uh, we always uh, talk to them like they are a living person. We're respectful. Um, most of the time they'll join in our conversation and, and talk with us amongst ourselves when we're, when we're talking and uh, respond to things that we're talking about uh, amongst each other. Uh, can you hear these? Can you hear At the these time voices? when we record them, most of the time we can't. Uh, we don't hear them uh, usually until we go back home and uh, listen to our tape. But on rare occasion, a couple of times tonight, you did hear something. Yes, uh, and it takes you off guard when you audibly hear something. You can't tell where it's coming from. Uh, you know you heard something. You don't know what. Now, do you think that you actually audibly hear it, or do you hear it in your mind? I, I, I believe I hear it. Hear it. So do I. Okay. So, and, and I, you know, I one other aspect is we find most of the time if you don't talk to them, they won't talk to you. You actually have to physically communicate with them. Uh, throughout an investigation, I continually invite them to talk with us. Anything else, caller? No, thanks, Art. Okay, thank you, and take care. Uh, first time caller line, you're on the air with GIS. Good morning. Hello? Hello? Yes, sir, you're on the air. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, my name's Don. I'm up here in uh, North Denver in an 18-wheeler. Okay. Okay. Must uh, be kind of weird uh, cruising through the night in a truck listening to this. Oh, it, it's terrific. I love it. I was up there in Wyoming just, just eating it up, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, my question is, okay, I go back east a lot up into Massachusetts, and I've ran into some, just some ancient cemeteries up there in the middle of nowhere, very quiet, weeds growing up, stones kind of half tipped over and stuff. Have you ever done an investigation, like, in a place like that before? Yes, we have. And we've recorded voices uh, in those locations. Because okay. they live in Utah, a lot of what uh, you tend to hear, obviously, is from prisons and graveyards and uh, theaters and so forth that are near to them and easy access. But you've done, you all yeah. have done some traveling, right? Yes. Uh -huh. If you hear of a real hot spot, uh, is there a sort of a net of EVP people? Uh, do you know where the hot spots are? No. I, what I usually do is uh, I'm, I will go and ask people if they know of any locations that are reportedly haunted. Okay. Uh, if, if we travel to an area um, uh, and, you know, take it from there. We, we seek out places that have had reported activity. 
All right. Well, the Northeast is a good one, huh, sir? Oh yeah, that that was quite a quite a place up there. I I've been up in the little uh, byways up there and just seen these just deserted, just abandoned cemeteries up there. And and I've gotten out and read some of the stones and you know from back in the 1600s and it was just amazing. Like, you know, who were these people? You know, mm-hmm. you should take a tape recorder with you next time. Uh, now, does it take a special kind of microphone to? To record this, or is it just a regular standard tape recorder? Yeah, good question. Why don't you tell them what the optimal equipment is, for, uh, you two, that you have found? What is it? Uh, it? For one, it doesn't take a special kind of uh, microphone. We do, we use an external mic, and that cuts down on the inner noise of the, the recorder itself. Yeah, people and will notice that, that uh, cassette recorders have uh, motors in them, and so that generates a little bit of noise. All by itself. So if you use an external mic, you are away from that mechanical aspect. That's correct. Right. And other than that, the only reason, I mean, we use micro cassette recorders, and the only reason we use that is so it's portable. We can carry that around with us everywhere. Any tape recorder will work. I mean, it really doesn't matter. As long as you're using a brand new tape, it'll work. Do you get, uh, well, a micro cassette recorder would not give you as much quality, or or would it? You tell me as a, uh, I don't know, uh, a, a, you know, a, a whoop-de-doo downtown cassette type recorder. I, I believe, personally, the, the quality would be pretty close to the same. Um, and, and that's just my own personal thought. We haven't used the the regular size tape recorders as much as we've used the micro cassette recorders. All right. Now, some, because you're recording with um, magnetic tape, uh, there's some inherent hiss noise involved. The new rage out there now is, and I've got one, a mini CD recorder. A mini CD recorder is astounding. I mean, the, the range of audio that you get is CD uh, at a CD quality. The uh, the injected noise from the mechanism or from the electronics is almost undetectable. It is so quiet and such a high-quality device that you would think it would be perfect for this sort of thing. Just one little catch. Uh, CDs are uh, made in a very different way than tapes. Now, have you tried taking something like that into the field? Uh... Well, one of our old members actually bought one and tried it and never really had any success with it. And, you know, really, as far as I know, there haven't been too many people who have had success with it. So it looks like it's the electromagnetic aspect of it that allows the imprint. That's correct. And that, that you know, then sense. again, I mentioned this on your show before, that we have seen correlations between uh, our EMF meter and EVP. So... That right there shows that they're affecting the electromagnetic field somehow. You bet. You betcha. All right. Um, Wildcard Line, you're on the air with the GIS folks. Hello. Hi, Art. This is Ryan calling from North Carolina. Yes, sir. Uh, see, last time you guys were on, I think, you played uh, one particular sample that was really interesting. It was, it was one of those children's voices, which I know Art hates. <laughs> but uh, she said something to the effect of, can you talk with it? And oh, yes. Right at that moment, I kind of got an idea in my head. I was wondering, I don't know, I'm not too well into electronics or anything, but wondering whether or not it would be possible to create a tape recorder with two heads on it so that you could basically record and then after a few second delay actually hear what you just recorded. 
Ah. And you might actually be able to communicate more in real time with these entities. Oh, you know, that's a hell of an idea. Yeah, and we've thought of that before, and, and we've also had people suggest that to us. It's really just getting the funds to actually make that. Yeah, I would imagine it would be somewhat expensive to get a custom tape recorder like that. Yeah, in fact, I think I had uh, one guy email me saying he would sell us one for $15,000, I think it was. <laughs> really? Yeah, it, it was just an enormous price. Good good thinking anyway, sir. Um, you, you would have to have, uh, it couldn't be out loud, you'd have to have headphones on or it would foul, but uh, be, be, it would get into a loop. Um, but what he's saying would work, and I suppose that might be the next step if somebody could help you out electronically. Listen, you two, we're at the end of a program. Boy, it just goes whoosh like that. Is there a way for people to contact you? Yeah, anyone who wants to contact us can write to GIS at ghostpix.com or they can go to the website at ghostpix.com and contact any one of the members individually. And, of course, we've got a link up there. Until, until we meet next time, folks, thank you so much once again. Thank for, you, Art. For another eerie night. <laughs> if I have trouble sleeping tonight, it's your fault. Okay. Happy holidays to all of you. Happy holidays. Take you care, Art. Right. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. I'm Art Bell. At night in the desert. Ta-ta. Shooting stars across the sky. This magical journey. Take us on a ride Filled with the longing Searching for the truth Will we make it till tomorrow Will the sun shine on you Are we running out of time?